Welcome to oh My Dollar, a personal finance show with a dash of glitter. Dealing with money can be scary and stressful. Here, we give practical, friendly advice about money that helps you tackle the financial overwhelm. I'm your host, Lillian Kerbake. But first, listeners like you make this show possible and keep our lights on. You can join up with other Oh My Dollar community members to support episode transcripts and more by making a pledge of $1 or more per month. Patrons get cool perks like cat stickers and a special badge on our forums. And if we hit just $15 more per month, we're going to start twice monthly live streams. This episode was underwritten by the Tamsin G Association, Warrior Queen, and Chris Giddings. Welcome to our newest patrons that join this week, Claire, Alice, and LJ. To learn more, you can visit ohmydollar.com support. There's a lot of changes afoot in my professional and personal life right now, and in the world of Oh My Dollar in general, and it has me thinking about a concept called opportunity cost. Opportunity cost is one of those core concepts that they teach you in economist training camp, which is the place where they lock you in a basement and make you draw a bunch of charts, and you have to chant canes, canes, canes over and over. That's how economists get made, in case you didn't know. But opportunity cost is just a way of looking at trade-offs. So what it is, is what you give up when you make one decision. So you're probably familiar with the concept of using pro and con charts where you can't decide. Um, but I think opportunity cost is a really helpful additional way of looking at making decisions. And this can be decisions in your professional life about career. This can be decisions about where to live. Um, and it's not just about decisions about, you know, like your income or investments. It can also be decisions about how you spend your money. I think one of the things that's important to understand about opportunity cost is while it's easily quantifiable in terms of money because economists are soulless, dismal scientists that will try to quantify anything we can into money, time is finite just like money, unless you're the Federal Reserve and can just print more money. So even non-monetary decisions have opportunity costs. So, for example, if your friend calls and asks you to go out to see Britney Spears in her Vegas residency, you have to decide if you go or you stay home and binge watch The Great British Bake Off. If you decide to go out and see Britney sing Work It, then the opportunity cost is the money you spend on concert tickets and the time you could have spent watching people freak out over a non-rising souffle on Great British Bake Off. But if you decided to stay home and watch the souffle freakouts, then you've saved yourself $80 and a trip to Vegas, but you've lost the opportunity of what is likely a very memorable experience. Not having been to Britney's show, I assume it's a memorable experience. So that's kind of a, a classic, you know, it can be quantified, but there's also a lot of non-quantifiable things in opportunity cost. And a lot of them we kind of classically consider in pro-cons lists, but the way that economists take it a step further is we always try to figure out what kind of the monetary cost to something like this is. There's a few classic examples of opportunity cost in any economics textbook. The opportunity cost to buying a house. So let's assume that you've got a situation where buying a house, the monthly cost to you in terms of your mortgage, interest, property tax, maintenance is exactly the same as renting. That's rarely true, but let's say it evens out to be the same as renting. There's still an opportunity cost in buying a house because it's what you could have done with that money if you had invested that down payment instead of putting it into a fixed asset of a house. So let's say you got a very cheap house and you put down 
10% as a down payment. But you instead could have invested that $10,000 into the stock market. So you have a $10,000 down payment, or you could have put $10,000 into index funds. Let's say you lived in that house for 10 years. Let's say you would have had the stock market did really well over that 10 years, and you would have gotten a 10% return over your stock market investment in 10 years. But your house only appreciated 2% during that time. One, the opportunity cost is there. It's the difference between the 10% you would have gotten in the stock market and the 2% that that $10,000 appreciated. But in addition, the opportunity cost there for that $10,000 is any other thing that you could have done with that. So you could have invested that in a stock market or that $10,000 could have been used to buy a car that then completely depreciated in value, in which case your opportunity cost is negative uh, for the car versus the house that appreciated 2%. So that's one of the things to understand is opportunity cost, one, sometimes you just can't know, right? You can make your best guess about how the stock market is going to perform with that $10,000, but hindsight's twenty twenty in this example. Uh, economists are really big fan of trying to figure out what happened and what the costs are when things already happened as opposed to things in the future. So this is a common thing. Another classic example in opportunity cost is going to college. While college costs money for most people to pay for, you also might have to work less while you're in college. So college's opportunity cost is also what you would have made working a full-time job or a part-time job that you would have gotten straight out of high school as opposed to going to college. So let's say you get a job straight out of high school for $35,000 per year. After four years, you've earned about $140,000 if we assume no increases in wage or any bonuses. Well, the alternative is let's say you decided to go to college out of high school and your yearly tuition and expenses are $30,000 and you want to graduate within four years, and you stay completely focused in school, and you don't work at all while you're in college. So let's just say that that's what's happening. After four years, not only are you out $120,000, which is the $30,000 tuition cost, it's also the the $30,000 tuition cost times four years. That's $120,000. But where opportunity cost comes in is because you chose to go to college and not work at all, instead of working, your opportunity cost is actually the sum of your college expenses plus the money you could have earned if you had chosen to work instead. So your opportunity cost to attend college is that $140,000 you would have earned at that job that you could have taken otherwise plus the cost for college. So your total opportunity cost to attend college is $260,000. And that's, I think, easy to quantify in your head, right? Which is why it's one of the classic examples that we use in economics. In all scenarios, when you end up running the numbers and looking at at data, the opportunity cost of uh, attending college, usually it works out in attending college's favor because someone that attends college often ends up with a higher paying position after, you know, you, you're behind a little bit in the beginning because you're paying off debt from college. And maybe you'll start in the same low range that you would have if you had just not gone to college out of high school. But then mid-career, you really have a lot higher earning potential versus where you top out coming out of high school. 
And this is a broad generalization. It's supported by the data, but that doesn't mean for every individual person this is true. Uh, there's plenty of people that get into jobs that they don't require a college degree that end up paying off later because they, you know, end up in an apprenticeship and end up becoming a tradesman that ends up paying extremely well based on experience in the job. In which case, there's an opportunity cost to them not doing that and going to college because it'll take that many more years to qualify if you become a tradesman after college. If that makes sense. This is one of those things where when you're considering two different options, I think there's a lot of value in considering opportunity cost. And I think that it's important to consider the things outside of what's quantifiable, um, your own happiness, your behavior. So I'm going to give you some examples after we come back from this break of different types of opportunity costs that you can consider. Reminder that Oh My Dollar is supported by listeners like you through our Patreon, also known as the Personal Finance Society. To, you can pledge a dollar or more and get stickers and perks on our forums. Learn more at ohmydollar.com slash support. All right, we're back from break. And one thing I want to talk to you about is different kind of sneaky opportunity costs. Because economists' favorite activity is figuring out how we can quantify things that are maybe not quantifiable. Uh, and I think this can be really helpful when you're looking at decisions. So one thing that I've been looking at is the opportunity cost of taking a job outside of your field and not getting years of experience that would add up to a higher paying job later. So my chosen field is media, which tends to have pretty poorly paying jobs when you're in early in your career. Um, and they are harder to get than uh, jobs in a lot of other fields. I might be able to make more money working, say, doing data analytics or something like that. But the opportunity cost for me is not getting the years that I'm working in that data job, even though I might make more money overall. It hurts my media years of experience that I would get. So say I got paid $30,000 a year in a radio job, but I'd get paid $60,000 a year in a data job. But by choosing, because time is finite, to work in that data job and not getting three years of experience that would lead me into a better paying job in media, that's an opportunity cost that I'm weighing. And I think that's one of the things that's really important. As someone who tends to, one, have a lot of jobs, always have a lot of projects, I tend to not realize that I am, I am physically a limit on myself. Not only is time finite, money is finite, but I am a finite resource, right? There's only so many hours a day that I can work, I can do things, I can focus on things, which is... The hard part of being someone in the modern world these days is there's all these things that are trying to, you know, take up your time. You're supposed to go on a walk every day. You're supposed to meal prep. You're supposed to, you know, make sure that you reach out to your friends every day. You're supposed to have a creative project on the side and also be doing your job at work. And, you know, also make sure that you spend time every day playing with your kids. Like, there's just a very long list of activities that you need to do. And just like in your budget, you do eventually have to prioritize them. So one thing for me is this year I chose to have pink and purple hair, which is as silly as it sounds, but it's not an inexpensive proposition. I had to think about it for a long time. I think over the course of the year, I spent over $700 on my hair, uh, which when I add it all up makes me go, oh my gosh, I every single time I made the best decision at that time with the information I was given. And I made a very intentional choice knowing that it was going to take a professional six hours to take my hair from black to pastel pink. But I've spent a lot of money and also a lot of 
time on my hair this year. Redying my hair, thinking about my hair, cleaning my shower because there's purple hair dye in it every time I take a shower. There's an opportunity cost that comes to fun hair. And one of those opportunity costs is, okay, what would I have spent that $700 this year on instead? Sure, maybe I got some cuter Instagram pictures from having pink and purple hair. But at the same time, I could have spent that money on skating, on travel. $700 is a plane ticket to go hang out in Paris for, you know, a week. I also could have invested it in the stock market. And then we're back to that. How much could have that earned in the stock market rather than on my head eventually washing down the drain of my shower that I then need to clean. (laughs) Uh, There's also an opportunity cost of kind of career choices that don't always have to do with money that comes to your social life. So an opportunity cost of working a service jobs that maybe means you can't be available on weekends or evenings and therefore you always miss out on fun activities or you always miss out on your kids recitals. That's a very real opportunity cost to something. Um, There's also the opportunity cost of giving up career progress to raise children. So, you know, one of those things I wish wasn't true, but often if you take time off to raise kids, even if you are saving on childcare, a lot of people discover when they try to re-enter their workforce once their kids get back in school, they've lost the career progress that they've made before by taking a break, which is, you know, we can go on a side rant about that, but that's not what the show is for. (laughs) Um, this is also like, some of this comes down to like, if you've ever lived in a really small house. So I used to live in a 10 foot, you know, diameter geodesic dome back in my more punk rock days. And there's an opportunity cost to just the things you can have in your house. Uh, this also, I think in a more, my more middle-class lifestyle now is my small closet I have to consider I want all the clothes and I can't have all of the clothes because there's an opportunity cost to there's literally only so many hangers I can have but back then it was a question of like oh do I want a slightly fancier heater that's going to take up more floor space versus more books right because when you live in a small dwelling you've got a finite resource of space and that makes you think about the trade-offs that you're making at all times. Uh, this is kind of a, an example that I think is kind of interesting, but like, let's look at a farmer, right? So once a farmer chooses a crop, for example, sink, cucumbers, the limited um, resource of available land can no longer be used to grow another crop, such as potatoes or carrots. So the opportunity cost of growing cucumbers on a finite piece of farming land is the other crops that can't be grown at the same time. And I think it's important to think about your whole life in the spectrum of sort of it is a plot of land and there's things that you have to fit in. I remember quite a few years ago when I was working like four jobs and I was also trying to do a bunch of side projects like always, I realized I am great at budgeting my money and I'm terrible at budgeting my time and I'm always giving my time away to other people for free. And sometimes that was okay because it was things I intentionally had chosen to be involved in that I enjoyed giving my money away for free to. But I was valuing everything at sort of equally. And I wasn't looking at opportunity cost in terms of how that time could be spent by placing a different value on it, right? So it's easy when it's a salaried and you go, okay, well, at one job I earn $20 an hour. And if I take extra hours at that job and it's at the same time as my second job where I make $12 an hour, the opportunity cost is really obvious. But there's also an opportunity cost to not taking care of yourself, right? Sometimes it's the hidden cost in suddenly, you know, 
I end up spending more on groceries when I'm working a lot because I buy a lot of convenience foods because I don't have time to meal prep. Or, uh, you know, when I worked at a very stressful political job, I needed to get out of the office every day and suddenly my coffee expenses (laughs) went up a lot because when I lived a less stressful lifestyle, I didn't need to go on a long walk to buy a coffee drink just to get out of the office. And this is one of those examples where I think it's really easy for people to get caught up in, uh, especially when they start getting their money together, they start tackling some sort of personal finance thing, or they get really early into um, discovering financial independence, retiring early, and they want to up their savings rate. They don't realize that those additional dollars that you might pursue by having a second job or moving to a job that has higher compensation but a, a longer commuter is worse for your life, there is a there is eventually a real cost to that. So taking on a second job to pay back your debt, say you're like, oh, I'm going to pick up weekends in retail in addition to my office job during the week because I really want to focus on paying down my student loans this year. But it turns out you work 12 hours a week on the weekends And you get paid, you know, $10 an hour. And so you're making $120 a week. But the stress of working that much means that every time when you get out of that job, you're picking up a bottle of wine, a lotto ticket, you're buying a couple magazines because you're in a direct reaction to that stress. When it actually ends up penciling out, maybe it's not actually helping you make as much progress on your student loans as you thought because of the toll that that takes. And it's easy to convince ourselves that we're stoic and we won't have these kind of reactionary spending or to devalue our own health or our own priorities. We're like, oh, I can accept the fact that, you know, I have to spend two hours a day commuting in a car because I make $30,000 more per year because you're not putting any value on your time in the same way, right? So I think it's important to consider that one, you have inherent value. And sometimes the trade-offs that you're making to make more money aren't actually worth it, depending on how much you value your time. Um, And your health, right? Like I know plenty of people that have disabilities or, you know, mental health needs where working full-time doesn't work for them. And it's easy to get caught up in this world of personal finance successes and takeaways, especially if you start participating in like online communities or reading blogs or listening to shows like this one where you're like, yes, I'm going to go after it. I'm going to, you know, hit these goals, not realizing that your energy is a finite resource and the trade-off comes at too high of a cost if it hurts your health or your mental health, right? Because no amount of paying off your student loans X number of years earlier is worth destroying your mental health for seven years while you pay them off. So I think it's important to consider this. This is one of those things where, like, I hate to tell you, Because economists will try to quantify this and will try to walk you through it. But in the same time, there is gray area, right? And things can change. You might have been willing to take the opportunity cost or the trade-off, so to speak, for a long commute for a couple of years, but now you just can't do it anymore, right? It's too hard on you now. It's okay to change and evolve. If you're not changing and evolving and your priorities aren't slightly shifting over time, that means you're very stagnant. And frankly, that's worse than having new information or and reconsidering things and making different choices. So I guess my key takeaways from this are, one, opportunity cost is the return of a foregone option less the return on your chosen option, which is a very classic economist way of saying that. 
But just realize that when you choose to spend time on something, it is at the expense of what else you could have been doing with either that time or that money. This can extend to you took a full-time job and that means you're spending less time on your art. It could mean you took a job that's paying you well, but you're giving up years of experience in another job. It could be that you're choosing to have time with your family, which means you're giving up a certain amount of career progress. Any of these are valid choices and trade-offs. This isn't a judgment for making those, but it can be a helpful tool to use if you're trying to actually consider this. Because sometimes you can quantify it down to how much per hour is that commute going to cost me, right? And you go, well, would I rather be able to work from home remotely and not have a commute and save myself two hours a day? Or would I rather make $10,000 more per year? And those are the kind of considerations you can make. Uh, the other thing that I, I think is helpful is to consider that opportunity costs are not the same for everyone, right? It's very easy to look at your friend that's chosen to do something with either their money, their investments, you know, get caught up in the race of everybody else's buying house, houses and think, well, they made the best decision for them with the information available to them, so it must be the same for me. But that might not be true. Your opportunity cost might be different. Um, a great example for me is I ended up giving up my um, farm share, my like, you know, farm weekly vegetable share that I have gotten every year for like 12 plus years this summer because I was traveling so much. And when you pencil it out, it's so much cheaper than buying vegetables from the grocery store. But there was a lot of costs to when I was out of town getting someone to pick it up or, you know, trading it off and missing weeks and having to worry about the pickup off each week. And that was one of those things where my priorities just changed. Uh, also, I probably won't have pink and purple hair next year <laughs> after running the numbers. So I think that's one of the helpful things to consider. If you're looking at um, trying to figure out how to calculate this in regards to your job, there is a classic book in the field of financial independence, Retire Early, called Your Money or Your Life uh, by Vicki Robin. Um, you can pick it up and it helps you calculate out all of the costs that you have. So, you know, that includes like what kind of clothes do you need to buy to look good for your job? What are all kind of the hidden costs of your job? So if you're thinking about this particularly in terms of jobs, um, I actually think Your Money or Your Life has some really good exercises in it for calculating that out. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode and have some things to think about. I'd love to hear about times in your life when you had opportunity costs to consider and kind of how you dealt with that. I think that wraps our show for today. We love hearing from you. Email us your financial worries or successes or your stories of opportunity costs at questions at Oh My Dollar or tweet us at Anomalily or at Oh My Dollar. Oh My Dollar is recorded at X-Ray FM Studios in Portland, Oregon and syndicated through PRX. This episode was engineered by Tony Scholl. Our intro music is by Aaron Parecki and your host and personal finance educator is me, Lillian Kerbake. Thanks for listening. Until next time, remember to manage your money so it doesn't manage you. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. 
Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.